Hi, this is Kelly. And this is Jenna. You're listening to ODFM. And this episode is One Disparagement from Murder. So this is a submission from a friend of mine and former coworker named Melanie. Melanie. She has surpassed you. Yeah, thank In the God. weirdness of the of being I'm, like attached to these. I'm not alone. But she's, I mean, she's awesome. I, I had a feeling, I wasn't surprised that she sent in the story because she's a person, she always has some kind of crazy story for almost anything. So <laughs> I, I, wasn't, I wasn't surprised that she had a submission Mm-hmm. I was surprised that there were three with some more to potentially come. And the one the f- was the first one she sent in. And I have been, I'm just dumbfounded by this one. I don't know which I find more fascinating, the victim or the murderer. Ooh. I really don't. Okay. So let me have a little wine here because dang, this is the story of her, Melanie's great aunt Louise who she was very close to until her death in 2003, and she was 66 when she passed away. This is the story of her in 19... Louise. So in 1954, a 19-year-old Louise Bannock, I think, or Bannich, was a school teacher from Chicago. And she went on a blind date. Uh Oh. This is what gives blind dates a bad name. She went on a blind date with a 20-year-old named William E. Thorison III who was heir to the great Western steel fortune. Ooh, yeah. So, and she disliked him at first, but he was very persistent. She said he was an extremely charming man. I, I found, Melanie sent me, I think, two different articles on her where, where, that her aunt was actually interviewed in. And then I found a couple other artic- articles. So a lot of this is like direct quotes from Louise. Wow. Which is okay, very interesting. cool. Very cool. So, Louise said he was an extremely charming man. People liked him and feared him at the same time. Um, she flag. said, I, right? <laughs> <laughs> People liked him and feared him at the same time. Louise said she loved his humor. She loved the way he would pick up stray animals and bring them home. Aww. He was charming and everyone thought he was charming. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. It said that it was that charm that swept Louise off her feet she thought of herself as an ugly duckling type who had only had a few dates with three other men and no marriage prospects when she met William. Um, Problem. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Especially See? back in those days. Exactly. No prospects. Yes. Right. Exactly. 19. I mean, mm-hmm. she's fairly an, almost an old maid already, right? I mean, <laughs> you're starting your wrinkles. Those crow's feet are getting bad. Those crow's I mean, feet. Yes. Exactly. So in her own words, she was naive, impoverished, willful, and ambitious, which sounds like a recipe for disaster right there. (laughs) Um, So after two years, they were married on New Year's Day. By June of 1970, William, now a millionaire at age 32, was dead. (gasps) Shot several times by Louise, now 33, in an upstairs bedroom, which was cluttered with hundreds of mysterious boxes and cartons in their mansion in Fresno, California. Whoa. Louise then ran across the street to a neighbor who quoted her as saying, I shot Bill. So officers found William shot several times with a 38 caliber pistol, 
nude on a bed in an upstairs bedroom where the couple lived with their son, Michael, who was eight at the time. The house was filled with so many cartons and boxes, one patrolman said it looked like a warehouse. Not exactly what, what you expect from yeah, a especially mansion. millionaire. Yeah, were they moving? Don't, or... don't you have people to yeah. pick up after that stuff? Like, because I would. That's like number yeah. one on the list. Yeah. Someone to clean and put my shit away. William had spent years collecting guns and explosives. He was killed the day before federal appeals, a federal appeals court partially reversed his conviction for assembling a huge arsenal of military arms, including... <laughs> anti-aircraft guns, artillery, oh, and machine guns <laughs> that he had hidden around the San Francisco Bay Area in what? 1967, right? Like all around, just in case of, you know, just World War Z. Well, yeah. This is what they said. So both he and Louise were arrested in 1967 for illegal possession of automatic weapons that the couple said were to have been for a gun museum at Fisherman's Wharf. Hmm. I, um, <laughs> that's kind of a odd cover like, yeah no no no. We're, making, we're doing a museum we're it's cool <laughs> we're it's gonna cool. hide these all around just just for the future right. museum we just didn't know where to put them so yeah. we just figured we'd stash a few here yeah. we'd stash yeah. a few there just in case so william had a record of trouble with the law that ranged from beating up a neighbor who had kicked his dog to Ooh, stealing... i would do, i'm okay with that yeah i mean the same yeah. honestly yeah i'm gonna <laughs> that, kick a dog I'll, you're gonna i'm gonna give him this one yeah, yeah. Exactly. you're okay with that william we like right. you for that part okay it's cool he also used to bring home strays. Yes. But, See, that, but, that got me. I was like, I like this guy I know. already. Oh, yeah, I, but let me, let me keep going. Yeah. You might feel differently. <laughs> I might change my mind. <laughs> you might change your mind. You know, unless, of course, you're a ugly duckling type who has no marriage mm. prospects, in which case you're yeah. like, I can look over some. I, I can I look can, beyond that. I'm good with this. You like right? strays. <clears throat> yeah. Let's see. He also had stolen $26, $26 worth of posters from a ferry terminal in Maine for which he was convicted of a felony. Hmm. Wow, that's a doesn't felony. Seem, hmm. Yeah, it doesn't seem worth it to me. Okay. $26 of the yeah. posters. Hmm. He was the son of William Thorison II, president of Chicago's Great Western Steel Company. He had inherited $70 million from his grandfather. Whoa. And more money also from his brother, Richard. It said, it is said that William conned his younger brother, Richard, into writing a will, making him his sole heir for at wow. least another million dollars. See, that's smart. It's, yeah. Well, see, you said smart. I'm sitting there going like, you know, usually little brothers, you just like, you know, you tease them and like you give them like noogies and like, but he was like, sign this document. Yeah. And here you go. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. He conned his brother into writing this will that made him the sole heir. Wow. And then in 1965, when Richard was 24, he was shot to death and his body was found in a rented oh. car in Illinois mm, okay. with no suspects. I, I have a suspect. You have a suspect? <laughs> Where were you when they needed you? I, I know. <laughs> That's what every, I, I always have my kit at. The That's body. what everybody says, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. During their 10-year marriage, Louise was aware of his mental instability, which I also <laughs> feel is putting it mildly. Apparently, he had made his first visit to a psychiatrist at the age of three, which Whoa. I would think in those days, mm -hmm. I, I mean, it's different now. Then yeah. that would have been like a huge deal. I didn't even know they had totally. psychiatrists for kids. They, they probably didn't. They were probably it's just one second. Hmm. Anyway. Yeah. So, and then there was a quote that a psychiatrist recently described him as the volcano type, smoldering underneath. Uh-oh. At three. 
I, I, I feel like all three-year-olds are smoldering under me. Very true. <laughs> like a tantrum is at the at the ready this at any is, point. This is true. Yeah. Yeah. So hmm. yeah, I, I maybe we question that doctor. Yeah. Mm. Or maybe I don't know. They, yeah, maybe the family is so used to having their way with everything they can't understand why a three-year-old. Hmm. There's a lot more um, questions there. That yeah. doesn't really okay. that gives, really gives more questions. <laughs> William would not allow Louise to keep a diary. He hmm. forced her to take secanol tablets, secanol, I don't hmm. know how to pronounce it, to share his experimentation with ever increasing doses of sleeping pills. Hmm. He teased her, broke her ribs, gave her Jesus. black eyes, oh. yep, manipulated her and ridiculed her. But she said she never left him because she loved him and he needed her. Oh. Hmm. Oh, that yeah. sounds familiar. We need yeah. mm-hmm. Louise really needed someone to talk to her. We needed, you know, she yeah, she needs a good needs, girlfriend. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> right? Someone to say get the right get out. Mm-hmm. So over the years, terror grew both for William, who had a fear of being locked up in a mental institution <laughs> for good mm-hmm. reason. Okay, yeah. And for Louise, she was she had a fear of being killed by her husband. Over the 10 years of marriage, by that point, Louise said that she felt, quote, destroyed and hollow. Mm-hmm. He had made her a gun rudder a criminal, her husband's servant, and his personal robot. He trained her to steal. She stole things like glasses, canoes, guns, dynamite, anything William wanted. How do you steal a canoe? Like, um... You know, questions. Glasses. I assume when she's talking glasses, like you're at a restaurant and you're like, I'm going to take this one, you know. But a canoe, you can't stick that under your shirt. Yeah, I was kind of wondering, like... You know, if you see someone run in with a canoe, I'm going to notice <laughs> and be like, oh. <laughs> Yeah, right? It was weird. Okay. I also don't know how you steal dynamite. Like, where do you do, where's dynamite that you can just go in? I don't know. Just... She's running into the mines, grabbing the dynamite, <laughs> running back <laughs> right? out. Oh my gosh. Don't push the button. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Whew, okay. Hmm. So, okay. after several days of beatings and verbal threats, mm-hmm. Uh, William told her that he had hired a man to kill his brother Jesus. for the rest of the grandfather's inheritance, and then he had later killed the assassin that he hired. Well, you got to take care of all the, you know. Right, the, all the loose ends, right? Everything okay. might come back to you. So <clears throat> exactly. He's only, being, he's only being smart. Right. <laughs> so he had, so there was oh, like days of torture from her husband, and mm-hmm. then he's admitting, oh, hey, I've killed people. Yeah. And so. You might um, be afraid. Yep. So on the morning of June 10th, 1970, William was killed. Louise shot him. Okay. She was charged with his murder, pleaded self-defense, and was acquitted of his murder in November of 1970. Wow. Okay. Right? Which, good for her, right? Yeah. Yeah. Except that I'm like, you know how hard it is, at least right now, it seems like, if there's a, a yeah. abused wife to get acquitted yeah. of murdering your, you know, like... No, They're like, well, was he hurting you right that second? Right. So right. I'm just like, surprised be, because yeah. she actually like assisted him in things. Like right. she helped with the, with the stealing and the canoes. I wonder if the, money, right? money helps. Mm, oh, well, that's true. Mm, yeah. 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 That's good. Now that so many kids are starting school with online learning, it's time to update the school supply list with stuff for parents who have suddenly become part-time educators. Yes, all the important things to start the year off right, like the Mojito Drink Infusion Kit, 
and drink tumblers with sayings like, not slim, kind of shady. <laughs> and at the end of a long day of pretending to understand common core math, candles like anxiety girl infused with impending doom hit the spot. Mm. All of these critical back-to-school items and more are available at ThistleWellington.com. That's T-H-I-S-T-L-E-W-E-L-L-I-N-G-T-O-N.com. ODFM listeners get 10% off when they use the code ODFM at checkout. So visit ThistleWellington.com today. So she was quoted as saying, the hardest thing about it was knowing I was killing someone I loved and knowing that he manipulated me to the end to do what he wanted. Um, she said he had wanted to die. He had, he had even tried to hire someone to kill him once in Los Angeles, but failed. Doesn't say if the hmm. killer failed or if he failed in hiring the guy, but yeah. it, it didn't work. Um, she said she is convinced her husband wanted her to kill him because he couldn't do it himself. And quote, the only thing I regret is that he didn't come to me and ask me to kill him. I'd have done anything for him, but why didn't he ask me? It really bothers me. Uh, I feel like she's not focusing uh, on the point. <laughs> like, yeah, wait a minute. Uh, <laughs> Louise, we got a, you're yeah. missing big picture. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> In 1974, four years after his death, she wrote a book about their life together. And it was called, It Gave Everybody Something to Do. And she wrote it with another with an author named E.M. Nathanson. And she was quoted to say, I wanted to call it William Sweet William. I loved that title. Aww. But the publishers already had a book with something similar. So she settled for It Gave Everybody Something to Do, which is very odd. but okay. Very weird. Okay. <laughs> because, this is great, because it referenced, it was a reference to a series of dynamitings, which I didn't know was a word. Dynamite, dynamitings that Dynamite. William had instigated in Tucson in 1964 to relieve his quote boredom and scare the daylights ah. out of a radio announcer that he knew. <laughs> that quote, fun. Louis, right? Uh, see, Louise felt the same way because yeah. she was quoted as saying the bombing seemed like fun. <laughs> said Louise of the escapades she and some friends participated in. We. Hey guys, what are you doing on Saturday? Because I thought we could do this slew of dynamitings. <laughs> yes, it's a word. Let's all go do. It sounds like fun, doesn't it? Oh God. So then she, um, so she was quoted saying, "William and I talked about doing a book. He had a lot of experiences." in boarding school before I met him. He always said he could write a book that would make Catcher in the Rye look like kindergarten. Mm. Well, what a lovely, what, you know, what a lovely thought. Oh, that's yeah. so great. We should write a book. You're right. Dynamiting. Oh oh, son... Was this before fireworks were easy to get, maybe? I'm guessing, maybe. yes. Because yeah. this, well, I, right. no, it was the I 70s. Mean, 70, so... Yeah, the, I mean, we were kids. We had them as kids. Come on, just get some fireworks, William. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, you know what? If you're a millionaire, are you gonna go out True. and get like? Are you gonna go out and get like those little um, snakes? Just yeah, snakes those and firecrackers, <laughs> and you know, are you yeah. gonna do that? Or are you gonna go and get the big? Yeah, dogs? you should probably right. just go big. Yeah, right. Yeah. So their son Michael, who was eight at the time of his father's death, had a lot of questions after his father died, <laughs> as one would. <laughs> yeah. Um. So Louise said one day, I said, Michael, what would you think if I wrote a book? And he said, I'd love to read it. <laughs> This scares me too. I gotta say, this is a little unsettling. <laughs> because everybody's bored. 
Because <laughs> right? hey, let's give people something to do. Let's give them something to do. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. So Louise Thornson described herself as a different person from the one who fell for William Thornson. She had outgrown her young and dumb years and survived mm-hmm. a marriage that she thought totally destroyed me. Um, quote, I've learned that no one has a right to control your life. Now, no one tells me what to do. I'm not accountable to anyone. It's my life and to hell with everyone else. Yeah, girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and no one's going to argue with you because you no. killed your husband yes, and we're got all away scared of it. you. Yeah. We're, we're all a little afraid. Crap. Wow. And, and yet still very impressed with her. Super. Yeah. I mean, cause I kind of get why Melanie was close to her. Cause like she yeah. is a very interesting lady. She's but done. hold on. I'm not done. Okay. She's got more. So, oh, right. So I found a little more information when I just looked up William Thornson the third. And I found out that before he was 21, he had gone through a number of boarding schools and mental institutions that he had never learned a trade or acquired an education, that he regularly smashed up cars, terrorized young women, and fought with authority. Mm. He apparently married Louise to escape commitment by his family to a state mental oh. institution. Wow. No wonder he was so afraid of it. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. It You're also said, pawn you off on this woman and hope everything right, goes Exactly. Okay. You're either going to get married or you're going to an institution. <laughs> Again, like the previous story, hold on, let me weigh my options. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to go with the married. Yeah. Okay. It also said that he was reported to have stolen more than a half a million dollars worth of securities in a duffel bag from his parents' cellar vaults because he claimed it was his legacy. Oh, you could wait until they pass or... Why would we want to do that? It's true. I mean... I need this money now. Now there are dynamitings to be done. <laughs> and those don't pay for themselves. <laughs> no. <laughs> they are not cheap. Except um, she was stealing all the dynamite. So wait a minute. He had Louise yeah. stealing. <laughs> oh, what the uh, okay. I also found that um there are some people who believe that he could be the famous Zodiac killer. <gasps> what? Because it was the right time, the right area, and the right kind of psychosis <laughs> there you yeah. go yeah i was trying to wow. find the right word right so nothing wow. proven obviously but yeah. there there's there's some connections there okay and then melanie also supplied me with an article that was just from 2014 from channel 7 out of chicago a news story and i'm just going to read it because i was like reading it and i was like i can't even rewrite this this is beautiful so good 1966 this is in the early 60s. I'll just say early 60s. In the early 60s, millionaire businessman and soon-to-be U.S. Senator Charles Percy and his family are awakened by shattering glass, then muffled groaning. Percy's daughter and campaign manager, Valerie, had just been struck and stabbed, her killer quickly running off toward the lakeshore, and no one has ever been charged. Whoa. Hundreds of pages of publicly unseen FBI records obtained by the Channel 7 news team, reveal a prime suspect, this man, William Thornson III, son of an industrial tycoon, described in one FBI report as, quote, violent, a mental case, armed and dangerous. In the posh north suburb of Kenilworth, which, by the way, I have never heard of, but it's got to be up there somewhere. Yeah. Percy's home was just a block and a half away 
from where Thorinson grew up and frequently returned for family visits in the mid-60s. Mm. In Lake Michigan, three days after the murder, authorities found this bayonet, seen here in this evidence photo that you can't see because we're on a... Cause we're, right? Because we're on a podcast. But yeah. anyway, yeah, a this bayonet. A I thought war? that was weird. This is why I had to check the dates. I was yeah. like, bayonet. Civil anyway. War, 1800s. Right? <laughs> Even though there were footprints from the Percy home to the beach in 1966, authorities never scientifically connected the prints or the bayonet to the killing, nor were they able to trace this single glove found near the scene being OJ. shown here tonight for the first time. But again, we're on it was, No, but it was OJ. <laughs> OJ is all up. It's OJ. Right? It's OJ. So it here's, <laughs> here's why they connected him. Okay. Because after the murder, FBI, FBI records reveal... Thorinson's Los Angeles probation officer was the one who contacted the Chicago police and said, I believe this person could be considered a suspect in the murder. But four years later, Thorinson was shot and killed by his wife, who beat the murder charge by telling jurors her husband had admitted to killing several people. Wow. I wonder, so maybe is that how? So if she killed him in self-defense because she felt like her life was in danger. Right. And she said to the jury, well, he admitted to killing other people, so I have no reason to think that he wouldn't kill me. Right. But. Yeah, I know. But there's no other witnesses. So. Right. I think they were a lot less hard on women back in that time, you know, and now Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's changed some. Right. So that's why I was like, oh my God, it just keeps going. It just, and I I had to stop Googling because there was so much. Wow. Stuff. There was just, I was just, I don't know who's more fascinating, her yeah. or him. He's very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> that is Melanie's great aunt Louise. That's amazing. I kind of love Louise. I, I kind of do too. Yeah. I kind of do too. Yeah. Like, talk about a badass. Yeah. She's right? a tough, yeah, tough cookie to totally. go through that at that age. And she stole dynamite. I mean, and canoes. <laughs> And canoes. I, can't, I, can't. I need okay. to talk to this woman. Oh, right? That's awesome. So, yeah. So it. that was a fascinating story. And that took like a while for me to research. Because like I said, I just kept, there was just like wow. one. I was like, whoa, no, I got to put this in here too. Oh my God. No, I got to add wow. this in there. And yeah. Uh, thank you, Melanie. That's amazing. Thank you, Melanie. That is awesome. Ah. Uh. So we need more stories. People keep sending in stories. Please keep sending in stories. Um, if you don't want us to tell you, to say how we know you or how you know the person or whatever, we are totally fine with mm-hmm. not mentioning you, using fake names or just yes. being, you know, very vague. You know? Yes, we can do that. Yeah. We can do it. You see, I did not give Melanie's first and last name and address. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. That was fun. Thank you, everybody, for listening to us. I hope you had a good time. I hope you had a couple drinks and... Mm-hmm. more than a couple laughs um <laughs> and don't dynamite people maybe <laughs> let's let's not go out and do dynamite i mean it that, it sounds it, a you know what? fun it was, no, it was a 60s thing to do yeah. it was totally <laughs> so dude, it is so 1964 like yeah. no that we could so cool. totally yeah. better oh it's God. not lit take care right. take care bye sources for this episode came from abc7chicago.com the New York Times, the San Francisco Chronicle, and the Desert Sun. Thanks for listening to another episode of ODFM, hosted by Kelly DeVries and Jenna Swanson. Production and editing by Kelly DeVries. Theme music by Eric Swanson. 
ODFM is a satirical true crime podcast for entertainment purposes only. The stories you hear are serious and true. The comments and opinions are not. We apologize if any of our content is harmful or disrespectful. This podcast was created using Anchor. If you have a story you'd like to submit for a future episode, please email it to odfmpodcast at gmail.com. Visit us on Facebook and Instagram at odfmpodcast. And check out our website, odfmpodcast.com, for more information on our episodes, your hosts, or general shenanigans. Thank mm-hmm. you.